0: a battery for your truck or batteries for your trail cameras. Interstate batteries has the batteries for your everyday life. Stop into a local retail location. They have thousands upon thousands of them all over the United States, or go and visit InterstateBatteries.com. interstate batteries.
1: Outrageously dependable. The Southern ground hunting podcast is brought to you by Spartan forge. It's forged in combat and tailored for hunters spartan forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting planning and executing their hunts you can start your free 14-day trial today by visiting spartanforge.ai and you can use the code southernground that's all lowercase all one word southernground at checkout and that'll get you 25 percent off of your purchase wanting to know more about saddle hunting well check out TetheredNation.com for all your saddle hunting needs tethered is for saddle hunters by saddle hunters and they're redefining ultralight hunting if you'd like to support the southern ground hunting podcast you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting or you can click on the link in the show notes of this podcast episode we offer two different tiers for our patrons that offer a solid list of benefits We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash Hunting. And now, let's get to the show. All right, on the line with us today, we've got Mr. Reese Johnson, a return guest from the great state, the bluegrass state of Kentucky. Reese, how's it going up there in uh, bourbon country?
0: Today, it's actually not too bad. It's been pretty hot. Some better weather. Better weather this week, and trying to take advantage of it.
1: Heck yeah! I don't blame you, man. We uh, we had a good, nice little cool front that's come through the last couple days, um, and I've been stuck at home working. So, uh, (laughs) well, we uh, went on vacation last week. uh, Made the wife happy, the kids
0: happy, and I told myself when that's been my deadline in my head when I got back, uh, it's deer time.
1: Yeah, we're about that time where a lot of the deer are starting to show, you know, what they're going to be and uh, whether or not they're going to be worth hunting this season. I know for you, that's a big, huge, this this time of year is pretty giant, right? Like mm-hmm. trying to figure out target deer and things like that.
0: Which history means more to me than I think anything, you know, building, building that. Building that with one, two, three deer, you know, that I might target this year, that's, that's the whole chest match. That's what gets me fired up. And that's what I go into. So, um, yeah, I am, I'm getting back into those patterns that I learned, um, in years past, trying to plan on tracking those deer as they, you know, of course, before the shift, you know, making sure they're there doing their summer thing. And then how I'm going to hunt them in September, October, and then, you know, hopefully not that long if I can get them, get them on the ground, but we'll figure that out then.
1: So last year we talked to you, I, I guess it was it was around this time, it may have been a little bit later in July or so when we talked to you uh, last year, but we talked about targeting specific deer, and I know you were uh, targeting several specific deer this past season, and we discussed your trail camera strategy, um, but just for people who haven't heard that, and if you're listening to this and you haven't heard that episode, go back and check that out. From last summer, it's so, uh, with Reese Johnson. Actually, Reese, I don't know if I've told you, but that was uh, that's been one of the more popular episodes that we've done. I think a lot of people were really interested in the trail camera stuff. But do just a quick, a quick, like recap of um, kind of your trail camera strategy going into the the summertime and and then early early uh, August and September. Sure.
0: So I um, run roughly hundred cameras. Those are scattered in three states. Um, many of those on public land, many of those in private land. Um, you know, I, I just enjoy it. That's just what gets me. You never know, and every chance I get, I'm gonna. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna try to, you know, snag another camera, add another camera. And you know, it's just, it's just turned into well. And, and I have got some, you know, friends. We share pictures and and hunt together, and and that has helped. But roughly, that's kind of where we're sitting at going into 2021 and so um private land and where it's allowed on some public land uh, this time of year i'm on salt i mean any kind of mineral lick that i can if you can get through that to the, at this time of year there's nothing better you can save on cameras as far as spacing goes in my opinion um because those bucks are generally going to hit those if they're well if they're established to the point where they're you know they've been using that for for years you know at the we have one farm. We've hunted for over ten years, and those licks are, you know, they're six, eight feet across. Hmm. And you know, I typically put about hundred pounds, give or take, of salt. A lot of people ask me what we use, and for those that that want to know, um, it's Redmond salt, which is actually, it's a, it's 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 a livestock brand, or it's not brand, but it's a ba- livestock bag. But it actually comes from the same mine as Trophy Rock, so it's, it's so the contents are exactly the same as Trophy Rock, but it's crushed in the form of salt rather than a block or a rock and it's marketed towards livestock versus hunters. So you're getting crushed fifty pound bags for a third or let's say a half of the price of one single rock that's twenty pounds. Huh. So money wise way better if you could but it's a little more difficult to find. But if you can find it either from your local co-op order that or not, that is what I like. And then Purina Antler Max, not the not the supplement but the um, Natural the mineral, there's a difference, and then I run the Redmond's two to one ratio with the uh Purina because the Purina is quite a bit more expensive. But that has seemed to work well for me. Um, I like to target clay soils more so than anything, that seems to be what works. Typically, take a shovel, you know, rake away all the debris when I'm starting a new one. I don't usually use stumps very often. Uh, the only thing that will get me that has caused cost, cost me a few licks is. If you can, if there's no drain, if you don't set it up to where it will run off and you get that water, that stagnant water sitting in there, that will kill it. Um, but if you can go in there and, and have a somewhat of a runoff or at least create a, a diversion channel or where that water will drain out, um, those licks seem to do the best. Uh, and that, if you're getting that kind of organic type, and and, and it's really funny in, to watch the deer because I have seen certain licks where they just will not touch it. And I, one of them in specific, I put three or 400 pounds on it just to try to see, I was like, I'm going to see if a certain amount of salt will change what they do. And no matter how much I put to it, and it was actually on my, where I lived at, I lived on five acres uh, previously and I tried it and I kept it, and, and because it was easy, I kept putting, kept putting, kept putting, kept putting, never would take, never would take. And then other spots I could put out one bag and they will just, you know, dig a hole the size of a truck hood. So interesting to see that camera wise summertime is just too easy. It's too convenient. Um, like I said, you can be way more efficient with your cameras in the summertime, uh, which allows me to use my spare cameras in the summertime to do interesting and neat setups with them. And those are some of the, you know, the fun I like to have this time of year. Yeah. Um, when it comes to that.
1: So, uh, I know talking to some friends in Tennessee. I've hunted Tennessee quite a bit. Uh, it is in a lot of places uh, legal in Tennessee to use mineral. Um, on public land, and I, th- I believe don't count, don't like mark my word on this, but I believe you can actually hunt over a mineral site in Tennessee on public land. Um, that I don't mean to cut you off there. That no, you're
0: good. you know, to me, that to me, I wouldn't hunt over any of my mineral lakes. Not mm-hmm. likely. I mean, maybe if you were in a state like Kentucky, September third, where you go in there and hunt, but traditionally, from all the years of running pictures cameras on salt lakes. It just does not – now, if you're feeding at the same location and doubling your – that might be – or if it was on the potential on the edge of a field where they're coming to feed. But I usually do not hunt that time of year. Most of the properties I'm allowed to hunt do not have the opportunity for early season velvet. And I typically like to go west during those first two weeks of September anyway if I can. That's my getaway so I can be back here for the rut. Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: That is what I'm shooting for. And then I'll go into on places that do not allow it because there are a couple states where it's not possible. Um, I will target scrapes. I mean, um, you know, those are spots that I will traditionally, you know, I spend a lot of time in the woods postseason scouting you to me, I haven't stepped foot in the woods, you know, since target season, of course, but that was for a different reason. But, you know, I shed hunted, which last year was down the year for me, picked up, um, a little over 50, uh, but the, pre- you know, the year before I picked up over a hundred. And so
1: does that go into you know, your, into your, uh, like, like where you're picking up these sheds and maybe where you're finding concentrations of sheds at, is that going like a playing in huge to where you're going to put these mineral sites or uh, potentially hang a trail camera? Are you just kind of using that as like more of an inventory type, like uh, this buck lives here and he's still alive?
0: Well, you know, number one, I'm going to target the specific deer I'm targeting. I'm going to spend the most time looking for those antlers. So I'm in there learning, while I'm learning <clears throat> about that deer and where he lives, I'm also usually looking for his antlers and then any other deer that live within his core area, which are usually the smaller deer that the satellite bucks, you could say, or whatever you want to call them. And, and so that's kind of how I do that. And then I'll know like where my target bucks live on, you know, those, those areas. I know those like the back of my hand. And it, with my eyes closed, I, I have learned them to the point. Because this is not the first year I knew about him. I didn't just come into this year and go, okay, I, I, I built that history. And what I will do is, I'll once I feel comfortable that I know that area well and I'm either found or not found in his sheds, I will take you know, exploratory trips to other parts, either either the farm or public land specifically. And I will walk, 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 and then there I'm looking for more of that um, community type sign uh, where I can, you know, hang cameras. And, and what I, you know, the whole point of this for me is. I'm watching deer now that are two and three years old that I know have the potential to be something I want to do, and if they make it, you know I'm keeping those deer in the back of my mind, and keeping records of those, and then you know in two or three I'm keeping tabs on them as well. I'm not hunting them, but I need to know what's there, so I always have plan ABCDEF, and it goes on and on and on. And you will get surprised; it will happen. I don't like getting surprised. I, I I'm, that doesn't. There are situations like you want you want to out of state hunt that that's when. You're expecting to be surprised, and that makes you feel good. But that's what you're there for.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When I'm at home, I get one buck tag in the state of Kentucky, which is where I live. I am that that buck tag is going to be used intentionally,
1: right? Which goes into play on why you did not uh, kill a deer in in your home state yes. of Kentucky this past mm-hmm. year. So uh, we we kind of talked about it a little bit last last year when we when we had you on, but. Um, you were chasing, there was, I don't know, two or three, uh, good bucks that you were chasing. Um, tell me about the experiences that you had, maybe what you learned last year and, um, some of the experiences that you had trying to actually chase after these specific deer that I believe were mostly on public land. Yes.
0: So it just so happened to that the deer that I ran into last year, was on public land instead of private land, and that deer captivated me and took my attention. Well, it was a sure, it was a sure accident that I found that deer. Um, it was not intentional. It's just like, oh, oh my gosh, there's there, there's the deer that I really need to pay attention to. And so then it was okay. I'm going into hunting a mature deer that I have no history with. You know, how am I going to approach this? And you know, I, I talked to some people that I trust, uh, got some opinions on how I wanted to play it out. I knew where he was summering because obviously. Ran in, doing. Put my cameras up, got pictures of him right away. Knew exactly what I had, and then I was figuring it out. While I was also targeting a different deer, that was pretty. Um, well, they were they were pretty similar. Um, They're both, you know, um, which that deer ended up getting shot, uh, ended up getting shot two weeks after I missed the deer uh, in November, <laughs> and so um, he was he was probably in the one eighties, um, and so so anyways,
1: he got shot talking, by an, a non-resident too, correct? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and at least,
0: yeah, at least it wasn't somebody from Alabama.
1: Well, but, you know, at least. At least. So
0: anyways, you know, I went into that yet last year like, okay, I'm learning. I knew I had history with one deer learning another deer. I had options at least. It's always good to have options, you know, at least two or three deer that you feel comfortable chasing. And so I went into last year uh, one deer I knew some stuff about, one deer I didn't. And so knowing he's going to shift, knowing where he's summering, Brand cameras in there. I put them in there in July. I took eight or ten cameras in there with me, and I let them soak. And that was just, you know, to kind of see them, learn what I could. I, when I went in there and discovered that, hey, I, you know, I found this deer in July uh, accidentally, that I need to know everything I can about this specific deer because I'm going to attempt to hunt him, you know, when season comes in. But, you, you know, how does you only get four or five days of the really good hunting before it transition into October, and they really go nocturnal, and, it, and it's difficult to stay on those deer before they completely change patterns. So, you, you know, you know, you have a window and then I'm laying out and I literally walked. I, w- I would, I would, I sectioned it off and I was walking and, and, and learning areas, north, south, east and west of where that deer summered with the plan that that, that deer is going to transition on me. And I need to be ready. So when he does, so I'm not behind and losing two or three weeks trying to relocate him. And so that alone, one that takes some time and some cameras and some effort uh, to, to do those things. And going into that, I was looking for traditional sign or previous year sign where, I had, where he might have left it and, and then, no, and, and uh, you know, shown me where he was going to be. Now, that was more difficult to do than I thought. It actually took me longer than I thought, but I was able to get on that deer, had three different encounters with him. It never happened. I had him once uh, within a hundred yards and he winded me when I was in a bottom wind swirl. And of course, and, uh, so tell me that one got me there.
1: You you talk about, um, the shift and and most seasoned deer hunters know exactly what you're talking about, especially guys who are hunting States like Kentucky, um, Georgia even has that, uh, opportunity to kill a deer before they shift into a more of a fall type pattern. Alabama doesn't get that nearly as much. We pretty much start our season in a fall pattern. Uh, But y'all have the opportunity to do that. But you talk about this shift, and I'm interested to know, in your experience, where these deer are spending time during the summertime. um, Are they, how far away are you typically finding them moving if you had to have like an average distance from? Let's say from beginning of September to, uh, October, uh, October range where, where like right when that shift happens, how far are you finding that they move and what, what are you doing to, um, to learn, to try to get back on these deer?
0: So <clears throat> that was a que- that was a major question I had that I asked everybody I could think of in your experience. What do you expect going into and, and that you know it's going to vary by deer which is hard because you know people don't get it deer are not textbook they are like people every person has their own personality you and i like different drinks different food different things you know we like i like to travel and go some people like to sit at home and deer are the same way but when you when you're when you're trying to define them in a box the best way, the best answer i can give is a one to two mile range on transition. Uh, between summer and fall and that is why a lot of times if even if you're hunting a two three four hundred acre private farm if you're not centered on that deer's core um he's going to be you know you may get him every summer and then he he may be gone and then hey you know the deer that's sitting right here behind me the one in the middle he was a deer that did not live on us except in the summertime three years in a row summer 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 and he would come back peak rut and those trail cameras Showed that to me three years in a row. Peak rut, he would make that, and and a lot of times, which you've heard it before from a lot of these guys who've really studied. A lot of times, they will come back right before the rut really kicks in and rerun their summer range looking for that first doe. And I have picture proof of that deer doing that right there. um And then the following year, I had that in mind. And and I got lucky because he did hang around, and I think he got with a doe and hung around longer than normal because I checked that camera. He'd been there for two or three days before I climbed up in that stand. I was kicking myself for not being there sooner because I thought I had missed that window and he was going to go back. And um, the second set for that deer, he'd come out chasing, chasing doe. So I guess he just became either one of two things either. that He was the dominant deer that year because he got – bigger or the other de- whatever happened and he stayed there because there were more does and he liked it but i really think what happened is he just got there got with the doe and never left but that deer there no october no september when he would shed that velvet gone and there are deer uh on this public land uh, that I will see it's funny because i go back to pictures and i'll look and i'll say like you look at velvet and you're like that deer that deer velvet you know i'll run through the list and, well i don't have pictures of any of these deer anymore outside of velvet and the are deer that showed up hard horn and it's like i follow these deer from hard horn through january and then i don't expect them to be you know i'm gonna put cameras out and unless i'm gonna go searching for those deer but the only time i typically do that is you know when i'm targeting those specific deer and then i will you know, if i know where he winters i'll do my best to figure out where he summers to complete this puzzle and if i have to put cameras out as far as I can, any given direction. And that, that goes for private or public. You know, you're going to put that, you're going to, you're going to, you know, anyway, as far as you can go is when you can go that deer, I was just, you know, referencing, he would only be on one camera ever. That deer did not live on us. I knew if I was going to kill him, it was one stand, one stand only in the back corner of that farm. And that farm is a great example because it's long and skinny. And I would have different bucks at the front, middle and back. And I was just catching, you know, it's like a, an overlapping diagram or I think what they what was called Venn diagrams where they yeah. overlap. Yeah, and, that's, and that's just different. That's just different. If, if you drew five circles and you overlapped each corner, those are different deer's home ranges. Mm-hmm. And depending on which one you're trying to target, that's what you're, that's what you're getting. And so you have to figure out, and, and if you can't go, you know, half that circle's across the line, well, then you need to figure out how you're going to approach your half of that circle when and where. And whether to stay out, go in, hunt hard, or however you want to go about it, is something you have to decide when it comes down to your deer on how well you know that specific animal.
1: So that's that's so good. I know I know you hunt um, several different places, several different areas, different types of terrain. Um, some terrain, some areas that have crops, some areas that don't. Um, do you find? that deer in like a big woods type situation travel further or maybe not as far as deer that live in a um, uh, more of a farm country ag land?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, There's no doubt. So, you know, you got, it it all really revolves around the food. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just the, the math of it. Big woods do not provide the same type of nutrition as a crop. So a deer that can survive on a 20, 40, 60 acres, if he chooses, on croplands, good good that has a mixture on a farm that's been set up you know by a a hunter that wants it to be just for deer and to where those deer don't have to leave if they don't choose Mm -hmm. you know that deer can stay on 60 acres where in big mature hardwoods you know big woods like you would find you know and here in certain places and in the northeast those deer have no choice if you ask me they've got to come up with the food they need and so therefore they are going to travel and plus i think a lot of it deals with these tracts of land it's, it's funny to me, I watch some of these farms, and some especially when you can build history. That's why it's so neat to me to watch. There's one farm I've hunted for five or six years now. It's a permission farm, and it's got a big ravine in the middle. So I got crop field on one side, and probably 100 acres of woods in the middle, and it's a big creek. I mean I'm talking steep up and down, and then crop field on this side. And it has if you notice the bucks from front to back, it's a different. That, that creek seems to be a, generally speaking, a divider. Hmm. between deer between herds and the deer on this side and the deer on that side are different now there is overlap i have got front to back but i have a salt lick on one back one on the back and one salt lick on the front different bucks in the summer and then okay i have a, I have a scrape limb that i traditionally put a camera on in front and traditionally on the back and it's always different deer huh that's, that's <laughs> so that's wild so there are so even in bigwood settings they can run further in my opinion bigwood settings because there are less boundaries there are less man either be it man-made or natural, you know. If there's a if there's a big creek or a ravine or a road or a clear cut, an edge, something to define them. But if they're in mature hardwoods forever, the big woods, they can just be nomadic. They, mm-hmm. they, you know there's nothing to really define them. If you're if you watch some you know some of these suburban hunting, you know, they're defined by their their options.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: um that, you know, there there might be an interstate on this side, and that's a major barrier. And so you can eliminate that half because you can't hunt that half or maybe he's not going to go over there. And the interstate is going to be, you know, you're, you know, you're going to get the deer on this side and then the deer on the other side. So they they will travel far, travel farther and more often in those settings. Um, and from my experience, when, when they have to, and then of course, if you're on a, you know, prime crop mixture of woods with some cutover and some, some, mat- you know, mature mass producing trees, there's a wide, you know, you're, you're, those deer don't have to do as much if mm. they
1: don't want to. I remember talking to you this fall, um, and there was one specific deer that you were hunting hard. I think you were in Iowa at one point, and uh, you were in Iowa, I think, when me and Hunter FaceTimed you. You are sitting up in yeah. a tree in Iowa, and there was a spike coming underneath you or something like that. And uh, you said, hey, so-and-so deer daylighted. I think I might come home early and try to hunt him, and um, that was that was wild to me, considering you're hunting in Iowa at the time, yeah. you know, and and you're kind of, you're like in the land of the giants. You drew your Iowa tag that year, and you're like doing the dream thing, but you knew that once this deer daylighted um, during the fall, that that was the time to go after him. How often does that happen? Where you know you're running a ton of trail cameras even throughout the season. How often does it happen for you when it's like, oh crap, this deer's out in the daylight. I need to go. Is that is that a pretty um, regular occurrence, or do they still stay? My question really revolves around: Are they staying? Are you finding that they stay? They're staying nocturnal even during that that rut, that all all the phases of the rut. I'm trying
0: to figure out how to answer this the best, so there that data is usually based on annual camera history and that's what that's what i'm typically predicting my when and where i'm going to be hunting um and that that takes years to build on what when you expect to be where now iowa for me i drew that last year i drew you know it took four points four points in my pocket so the fifth year applying when I pulled. So a lot of people ask me about that. And I did a full podcast with the Exodus truck radio on my Iowa experience. So if you want to know about that, that's there. Um, and that was specifically about what it went and what I did, but that was 100% public land. I went up there in May in July and then October running cameras in Iowa. Also on the public land that I specifically intended to hunt with a couple smaller, I had one big piece and a couple smaller small outliers that I had scouted found spots, planned on running. And what happened there is first morning, October, it was 20, October 24th. We had a really cold snap come through that week. If you remember, I was up there, I ran up there for the cold snap. I ran up there for that and hunted three days. And that was to finalize checking my cameras, moving them to where I wanted them to be during the rut. And then seeing the sign that had been presented while I was gone and created while I was gone to. So when I got back peak November, I knew right, right where I was going to go. And I knew exactly where I, what tree I wanted to be in when I came back and it was on, on. And so that was the plan there. I passed a 140 some odd inch mature Iowa deer with a bow at like eight yards on the very first morning. Well, it was the very first morning and I don't regret it. I could have shot that deer. He'd, he'd have blended in with some deer on the wall, whatnot. It wasn't what I went to Iowa for. What I did not know at that time is the particular public land piece that I was attempting to hunt didn't have the caliber of deer I was hoping for. And there was, uh, I think I had one 150 on that public piece that season. Um, I actually did shoot one in January. I never did find it. Um, not many people know that. And that's just kind of whatever. Um, I, that was, uh, I went back late season hunting, And that deer was probably, I don't know. I don't really know. I never got a great look. He had five on one sides so all I know, um, but <clears throat> that was my intention there. was I waited that long. I was, and just like, actually, I did this in both Kentucky and Iowa last year. I was prepared to eat my tags, which I said that, and then it happened. I was prepared to eat my tags for something that meant something to me, and in Iowa, passing that 140, if I'd shot that deer that first morning, I would have either been—I would have thought one of two things. One, I was the greatest place in the world. I shot the first morning, and and there was no telling, you know, what was that, you know? And I, I had to get back up there. But two, that deer was 140. I've been lucky enough to harvest some deer that size and, and bigger, to where that deer would have just, you know, it would have made me happy. But that's not what I held out for. It's not one up there. It's not what I waited five years for. I was looking. It's for not the
1: experience that, that you were looking to achieve I right, yeah. I went on as a guest on a podcast last night uh the paddle and fin podcast and we talked a lot about that about like you know setting goals for yourself and following through with those goals those goals may be hey I want to shoot my first buck on public land and you shoot your first spike you see on public land you know whatever it might be set those goals for yourself and and try to up them every year you know at at one point in your life you would have been tickled to death to shoot a 140 you know, one hundred percent. You know, and that's and that's the that's the the evolution, the the progression, I guess of of your your own deer hunting. So I know you're not saying that with the intention of like uh, of like down in a one forty for anybody. No, that's no, a but, great deer, but it's not what you wanted out of that. And and that makes perfect sense. That's that there okay, is so, nothing so wrong I, with that.
0: I went there. I went there with the intention of you know, I don't know what was in my mind. I needed something to make me happy, <clears throat> and I did. See, another deer, I still think the deer was either three or four. He was a 10. That was high 40s, low 50s. uh, Came chasing a doe by me, and I mean wide open. Never could get a shot at him. I screamed and screamed trying to get that deer to stop, (laughs) and he didn't. But Iowa was Iowa. Those deer acted like, you know, you can hunt public land, and I've hunted public land in two or three states where they're skittish and they're hard to find. They don't act like deer. To be fair, the Iowa deer acted like deer. The sign was, you know, they acted like private land deer for the most part. The sub, the, the the sign where you'd set. I mean, everything you knew about deer hunting, if you knew anything at all, they behave like deer and you could go in there and see 10, 15, 20 deer set. And it was good. It was quality. I just didn't see the age class that I was hoping for to bring home, um, on that particular, you know, piece and trip. And a lot of that, I sacrificed, I hunted up there a fair amount. I did, I am completely satisfied with my experience, um, and, and the money that I spent to go do that. Um, I did sacrifice some time, some peak time up there to hunt this deer here in Kentucky because it was, it meant as much to me to kill the Kentucky deer. And that's what happened. You know, if you want to say, I pa- you know, I passed the deer in Iowa that was 140s and then I passed the deer in Kentucky that was mature also. So I passed too much. so to me, I didn't kill anything this year, last year, uh, the year before I did kill three bucks. So it's not like I didn't, it, it went, it, you know, I could have. Had a great season by many standards. By putting something on the ground, I could have killed two mature deer. One in Kentucky, one in Iowa. I opted not to. I didn't kill anything because I had specific goals, and that's what meant important to me. That's what was most important to me. And so I let a deer even bigger in Kentucky go, a fully you know, a mature, 150-some-odd-inch, 100 inch 10 points. He, he was huge. No. I, I think I, there's, I mean, a, I, there's I, a video both of, of those a... Videos are on my Yeah, both of those videos are on my Instagram. I videoed both those deer. That was not what I was there for. And I knew based off of what i you know, one, a surprise deer, and I went to history in Kentucky, two completely different types of hunts. I knew when I went out got my look at them, that's not what I was there for.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and I know I know there's kind of going back to that that experience and that, that conversation that we had about, you know, hey, so-and-so deer day, daylighted. I'm coming home. I'm going to chase after him. Um, is that, I guess, is that like something that, uh, obviously that's a huge advantage of using a camera because you're not just going up in blind setting. I don't do it at all. Like for me, I love the element of surprise. Like it's a blast to me. I love being surprised by it. I hunt out of state quite a bit. Um, I don't have a lot of cameras and I know if I did what you did, I would become fixated on one thing and, and it, it wouldn't be as enjoyable for me. It's obviously super enjoyable for you. You love that aspect of it.
0: Well, and that's what, and that's what makes hunting so great. There's so, there are so many different ways to be successful Mm -hmm. and there's so many different what you tell you, can talk to so many people and, and there's no, there's no defined box. Mm -hmm. This box, it's not a box. This is, this can be done so many different ways, you know, public, private, you know, gun bow, crossbow, whatever you want to do. There are so many different ways to be successful and still enjoy it and do it your way. You know, what I do is not for everybody but that is how I get the most enjoyment out of it is by, you know, fixating on that one deer. And and, and that, that's just what I get. So I'll go back to the, uh, you know, the deer that, that daylighted. <coughs> I um, had X amount of days. I wanted to be in Iowa. And then I was, you know, all in the back of my mind, I was thinking about Kentucky, Iowa, deer there. You, you never, you're never going to make the right decision. No matter when, you know, you can plan to be there. <laughs> and actually what, what called me home was work. What called me home was work, and I had no choice but to get back here. I left Iowa a few days early, came home, um, see what, that day. I think that day I drove all through the night and was in the stand that next morning in Kentucky, checked it, knew where I wanted to be, climbed in that stand, and he had been there the morning before, the day before that, I don't remember. Um, And that was when... You know, I you know I knew that I was right where I needed to be. I just had to be there, and then I followed it up. And I don't remember how it all worked laid out. I think back, but it was right in there. That same set is where I missed that deer.
1: Where did uh, uh, I, I hit? I hit a limb. So normally you're talking about you you're obviously having to stay pretty mobile with the use of using your trail cameras, and you know if one happens to show up like that. Uh, I would imagine you don't have a stand lock on stand or something hung up at every trail cam site. What are you doing as far as that's concerned? What's your system like for um, actually getting up in a tree?
0: So I went, I converted and I went full saddle last year. Um, I ran the tethered saddle, get up the whole bit. Um, and then the sticks, I ran the Novix mini, um, the Novix minis that there were the, the alternating singles, um, which for the money, um, those those sticks they're actually um very very pleased for the year that I ran with him but I will be buying some double steps double steps before this year's over yeah so before the summer's over and before I, that is one that is one thing I will
1: I will be doing so have you found that um that that has helped you with as far as maintaining this style of hunting and and always staying oh, yeah. mobile has the saddle been a, a pretty big benefit for that
0: yeah, I mean, I, I won't go back, especially as long as I continue to hunt the way I do. Now, I have, you know, I have, we have everything. We do have some rednecks. We have some buddy stands. We have ladder stands. We have walk-on stands. They're on the private land farms, but those are not for me anymore. No, that's for my my kids, my wife, my grandpa, you know, guests. You know, those that's what those are there for. Um, and even, like, when I hunt with my wife, we have options because, like, we go climbing a single-man ladder stand. I'll just put my platform and get up above her and then sure. sit in the saddle because I'll just hunt with her. And so when, so we have options, but for doing the way I do and staying mobile, um, after converting last year, it will be what I do from here on. You know, obviously you can never tweak it enough on what, what kind of, you know, what you want to run and what you want to do and, and buy. And, uh, so, so I'm still, I'm still, you know, first year I had a, a a good experience with it. And, um, I will, I'll, I'll get off on a tangent here real fast. Um, I had my, my platform and sticks were stolen out of the bed of my truck. I still oh, am not a hundred percent sure. I'm still not a hundred percent sure when, uh, but I actually caught the guy selling so them on Facebook. <laughs> and uh, did you get them back? back. <laughs> I did. I did. I had actually already ordered the exact same setup. Uh, the saddle was in my, my my tote, so it was in my truck. But my backpack with my sticks strapped to it was in the bed of the truck because. You know, it's just bigger and bulkier and it's got the sharp edges on it. So I just threw it in bed the truck and I don't know when or how and who knows, maybe even I left it laying on the side of the road. Uh, I, I don't know. But either way, they end up getting stolen. And, uh, you know, a friend of mine sent me the, who who also saddle hunted, So he knew what they were. I had told him what happened. And I said, you know, be, keep on the lookout. And sure. Enough, it was three days later. I had, you know, he sent them to me. He sent me the screenshot. Hey, these sticks right here. Hey, look! This is a good deal. And I was like, "Yeah," because they're they're mine. Because <laughs> the guy so didn't pay call, anything for them. Yeah, so I called him out, and uh, and uh, he ended up. Long story short, he gave them back. He gave them back. It was wild. He never actually claimed to steal them. He actually told me. Uh, he actually attempted to help me find them, and then I found them on a tree. He found. Let me, let me face, He found them on a tree, in on public land, and then told me where they were. so he never actually admitted to stealing it but he told me where some stuff that looked exactly like mine he just happened to run across in the woods was (laughs) so i never never, yeah i think he was just worried i was going to turn him in
1: yeah yeah so yeah
0: wow wow
1: obviously i mean we talk quite a bit about saddle hunting and um on this podcast and it, it has great huge benefits for especially for a guy that is trying to remain mobile while my hunting style and your hunting style are a little bit different. They're both they both definitely fall under the the same category of mobile hunting. And uh and so I think that's good for people to hear um that you can have there's 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 several ways to skin, skin a cat, you know. Like oh, yeah. you can you can do it a whole bunch of different ways. So you talked a little bit about um putting cameras on uh mineral mineral licks, uh things like that. Um, Let's just give a thought of of not having that so you don't have any the ability to to put a mineral out on a piece of public in Alabama you can't do that at all um what's your what's your go to you mentioned scrapes are you running cameras on scrapes is that like right now like you're finding yeah. old older scrapes and like licking branches and stuff like that
0: so what I did
1: slash the
0: way I approach it. So, I mean, I mean, there's post season scouting, shed hunting. I mark, <clears throat> I know how many cameras I have and how many I want to allocate to said piece of property. And I mark those spots. So, when I'm out there scouting, I'm, I mark everything. I use on X and I use everything. It's like, all right scrape, you know, trail, anything relevant that I think I would want to know. I, I've got a pin there. You look at mine, it's just dots everywhere. Uh, most people just freak out when they see it, but, you know, there's just dots everywhere. And so, out and that, and then at the end of the winter as we're going into spring before i switch to turkeys and while my, my mind is still on i sit down on my computer and i determine where those cameras are going to be before next season even starts so i know or while i'm there if it's that good of a spot and i've looked and i have found it and i know i'm going to mark it right then and and when i pull all my cameras in everything's color coordinated so like when i go out this spring i started yesterday yesterday was was day one and we started going out there it was like I don't have to walk out there and wonder I don't have to waste time in the when it's hot and covering ticks I walk out there I go straight to that pen and and I am I do sometimes have a hard time with myself why why am I standing where I'm standing but I always trust myself. It's like I, I marked this for a reason. Like I, you know, I know I have X amount of cameras. Everybody has, everybody does. They have X amount of time, X amount of resources. But I <laughs> will put this here when it was on my mind and when the sign was the most fresh, for a reason. And so I will follow through, and I will put cameras at everywhere I have marked. And traditionally, summertime uh, scrapes. I mean, that that's your that that to me is your version of a mineral lick. That's where you're going to get the most deer. That's where you're going to get. You know, and to be fair, you got to remember these deer may not be there when those scrapes are getting worked. They may be gone, but to figure out what's in there right now, that is still, and you you can listen to all sorts of these guys that have talked about the the, You know, you can get way deep in the scrape rabbit hole. Yeah. But, but you know, those community scrapes, and, and you've got to know the difference. You've got to spend the time, be in the woods enough to learn the difference in a November scrape and the community scrape. There are, because those, like even today, we we spent camera time this morning putting out cameras. There was, you know, there were spots I went to. It was like obvious limbs broke, leaves are dead, or didn't go to leaves this year. It's like, hey, that's that's the licking branch. That's the portion of this I want to focus on. There's other spots where I walked out and it's like, and it was just like I said, why why am I here? I, I have a scrape mark, but I don't see it. And then I'm worried, is this really somewhere I should put a camera? But it's like I said, I always, it's even today, I question myself, but I still put the camera there. And um, you know, I, I marked it for a reason when the sign was the most fresh. <clears throat> and so the other thing I will focus on is any kind of terrain or feature that will pinch those deer down and create that trail.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And those are still most once again, most defined in the late winter early spring when you're after shed hunting, it's usually wet, muddy, you know they've had a full fall worth of activity. And so those, especially where two major trails, cross mm. i have many x's x's i have them trails tra- it's labeled as trails x and where are those trails x you know you're getting a two for one you don't have to and that can be as good as a scrape so if there's a a tree's falling down there's a big root line, or if there's a, a road or if there's a a, a creek um, there's some reason to force those deer around the head of you know deer are, deer are lazy or or you can consider them efficient whatever you want to call it they're going to take the path of least resistance because as all wild animals do it's survival to them so they are going to take what's given to them if that means walking around instead of going through that's what they'll do mm-hmm. and, and you know or or if that means jumping this log because it's it's thicker over here that's what they'll do you figure those things out you notice those things and you figure out how to get those cameras where you can maximize your I mean, your your resource your camera and and so that is what you know I always try to do is try to figure out where that pinch is. And that's why, especially in the summertime, you know, November is a little more obvious. They're a little more, the leaves are off. You can see farther, you know, they're hitting other scrapes, but to really be efficient in the summertime with your cameras, you got to have that insight, that information ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Now there are areas I'll go into in the summer and typically you just, you, you just don't do as well because your information is not as good. Mm-hmm. You're guessing as much as anything you can find in November. You might walk right past it because there are areas, even today, I walked in there and like I said, I'm like, this looks nothing like it did in February. Like, I don't even know why I would be here. Like it's, it's so green. Everything's changed. You know, uh, leaves have fallen, move, whatever. It's been three or four months. And so I always set my stuff ahead of time and I know, um, and maybe that's just, that's just my system. That's just what I know. And then same thing, like <laughs> I'll sit down and make a list at the private land farms we do okay i need x amount of cameras for this because there's x amount of mineral licks or i'm going to create a mineral lick, take away one this this didn't produce for me last year so i'm not going to put one here and then um going back to that to the to the public version of this or just the, the place you can't do mineral if you can find where the trails x don't you know the the mock scrape, you know don't if you can give them one more reason to be in the frame of your camera yeah you know even even if it and sometimes, you know, I don't get too serious with that, but I, I have attempted it, and there are occasions where it has worked, and there are occasions when it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But if you can up your odds even the slightest to get that deer in frame to know he's there and get that information, um, because if if it's uh, if he's walking away on a trail and he's moving and it's blurry and you can't tell what it is, then you just you know what good does that do? You? But if you yeah. get him to hesitate just a second. To go check out what he thinks might be a real scrape, um, that might be the difference in knowing and not knowing what deer that was, or whether it's worth your time to pull cameras, move cameras over there, spend more energy, more time over there. That 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 can be huge.
1: So I know from talking to you in the in the past that your cameras will range from right next to the road to miles away from the road. Like it's just kind of you don't really have any type of uh, you know have any type of like. I'm only going to hang cameras if I'm 500 yards away from a road system. It just because that's not what you're not necessarily using them for to find the spot that you're going to hunt, especially not this time of year. Um, And once pressure, once pressure changes and all that kind of stuff, it's going to uh, manipulate where the deer are moving at for sure. We know that as Mm -hmm. hunters, that's pressure is maybe the number one factor of uh, changing how they pattern in when you have a high pressure area that's going to be a big deal so um with the guy who's running a lot of cameras i'm interested to know what kind of uh changes you see happening um, whether it be nocturnal or daylight what kind of changes do you see happening once the season opens up and once there's hunters in and out driving the roads consistently um do you notice that affecting a whole lot on your cameras
0: yeah. Uh, those those deer are, are way less uh patternable, way less consistent. Um they're going to be more random. I mean and, and there's so many outlying factors, you know. I experienced this on on public land last year between the the squirrel hunters, the mushroom hunters, the butterfly catchers, the the dog walkers, the Alabama hunters. You you yeah, you just <laughs> don't ever know. You know, there was a guy uh, Iowa was, was 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 awful. Uh those people, you know, I had uh, it was no, it was like November was peak rut. And you know, their season doesn't come in too late. Guy's coming through to check a camera. I'm sitting there bow hunting. He just walks right past me. And uh, you know, it was funny because he walked past that big deer that I was talking about I couldn't get to stop, come chasing that doe by me. It's like eleven thirty in the morning. Come chasing that doe right by me. And then ten minutes later, here he comes right back. So huh. that doesn't you know, the people, especially in the rut, doesn't don't really you know, that don't always don't let that discourage you because it's it's interesting it's funny to see how many people i get on camera and about people deer deer people or you know but but yeah there are i had cameras and i do i run them a mile too deep and then i had cameras that are right next to the road i mean i mean i mean right next to it blow your mind and uh a lot of that is me trying to get inventory i mean deer have to cross roads they had no choice in some cases now not always but some cases they have to cross roads to survive that's just part of what they have to do. Well, <clears throat> a lot of times it roads they only cross in certain they cross in a certain spot because of the features that allow that. Because mm-hmm. and, and they and and that can be as much of a pinch point as anything. If if there's a if there's a, a gully and a ridge or a bridge or maybe two roads collide and they want to go around those or two roads meet. There's there's so many different options. So yeah then I'm not scared to put a camera anywhere. I've got uh one and like I said even in the summertime I do like you know I like to do neat things um, I've got one on a pond right now with that setup, trying to get banded wood ducks. Cause there's traditionally, they band locally. So they're there. And then I've got three in a barn, um, right? Where, where deer bed in barns. I've gotten several really neat sets in barns um, anywhere. I see a, a deer or anything unusual, uh, especially in the summertime. I mean, it's, 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 it's very neat. It's cool to me. It's what I like to do. And so I put those cameras on video and put them in those crazy places. You know, I put them, I've had deer bed underneath a camper, I've seen huh. that, so I put a, I put, I've got pictures of deer bedded under a camper, in a barn. Um, you know, I've got <laughs> pictures of a vehicle going by, and then a big buck down the side of the road waiting to cross right next to it. Huh. You know, 150. I mean, just and and you can do frame by frame. You can do deer, vehicle. I mean, it's just so so. There's a lot of places that people overlook, and that's when you can get when you have a lot of cameras, and you finally get to that ability, and and and, and don't think you know, cameras are. A lot of these, I'm, I mean, I'm running some cheap cameras. I mean, I have to to be, mm-hmm. and I've got some expensive cameras, and I've got some cheap cameras. And I, last, uh, matter of fact, last year I only had one cell cam. This year is the first year I've actually gotten a few more. And so I don't even, I, I don't, that doesn't entice me too much. I'll, I'll have a few just to to try. I'm slow to that, slow to that style. Uh, we'll give it a go. Um, and a lot of those will be out of state where I'm not there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, the, you know, but yeah, they're just, they're really neat tools and, and you can learn so much from them and I'm addicted to them. And that's like, you look at my page, that's all I post because that's all I care about anymore. It's like, I mean, just getting, you know, these, creating these setups and getting neat pictures and big deer at that. Um, it, 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 fascinates me.
1: Now you are, your claim to fame is trail cam Tuesday. Is that correct? Like that's your, yeah, that is, you came that, up yeah, with that is, the that is
0: correct. hashtag so back in the, yeah back in the good old days when I was in college. I had a LLC where we would actually run social media for outdoor companies. And, uh, you know, we were big into, you know, all the taking pictures and posting and doing all that back before it got to be overly saturated and and uh, beat to death uh, back when it was, you know, in its infancy. And then, yeah. you know, then got out of school and sold it and moved on and, and uh, just kind of do it for me now.
1: And do you happen to know off the top of your head how many times – that hashtag trail t- trail cam Tuesday has been uh has I have not
0: I'll be I'd be I don't, I don't even know I know it gets passed around quite frequently but I'll back back when that was started back when I claimed that and that may not have been the you know I, I hate to say I'll be the very first one but I was at the very tip I was very close to it if if, if I wasn't the one that started I was definitely the one that promoted it the most and, and took its level so I'll at least take that I won't take the yeah, you know maybe the entire entirety of it, but I definitely pushed it and got. But that was so long ago. That was on Twitter, so that was that. That was created there. <laughs> oh, it wow. really created, like Instagram at that time was not the thing to do. Uh, if you you know, but that was back when you could you know post song lyrics as your status on Facebook. You know, before it got <laughs> taken over by the rest. So that that's how long ago that was.
1: So I have here. Is it hashtag Trail Cam Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that it? I have about fifty thousand. 50,000 posts is what shows up on not here. terrible,
0: not terrible. So I posted actually, uh, and this, this is rare. I don't, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, uh, pretty strict with myself. I don't, I don't feel like I miss a lot, but I was at the farm yesterday, put, we started on, on, on a lease and got going there and putting some cameras up on those salt licks. And I forgot a camera. That's rare for me. I left the camera up over the, from, I don't, I typically take them down in February March after the antlers fall and then, bring them back in and then i don't put them up till you know july 4th is what i shoot for but when i've got this many now um i gotta get started yeah and so i tried to shoot for the round on july 4th but i actually missed one and so it actually had some cool videos and i posted that last night i had a coyote howling on video
1: that's cool Um,
0: and so that was that was actually that was a first for me actually um but yeah i've gotten some some really neat stuff uh throughout um the one i've actually waiting i'm waiting to you know on another good day to post it but i've got a a rat, a, a black black snake in my barn, and a, um, a mockingbird chasing it, huh. like trying to, you know, I guess was going for the nest. Which I put it in there for deer, but you know, sometimes you get some really cool byproduct.
1: Well, you you posted a picture the other day, uh, and it may here it is um, this picture right there the the two oh, bucks, yeah. so two bucks that's, in that barn next to that old truck. I mean, that's, that's just that's cool. The
0: original one. That's the original, and that's what kind of. You know, you know, back that was when I was—I don't know if I remember. I think I was in college. I might have been in high school. I'm—I'm I'm not sure which. But that—that uh, uh, that started it, and and all—all all that was was that was just an old barn on a, on a, on a lease we once had. Uh, we don't have that anymore. A farm's been sold. with that barn, I just drove up there one day, and that bar, that deer jumped up out of there, and I was like, "Hey, I'll put a camera in here." yeah and you know and it just it stemmed from that i've got a bunch of you know that that picture that i posted is, is the is my favorite of them but i've got videos i mean I, while i had the camera in and while they were using it I, I put two or three cameras in and i did videos pictures from different angles and did all kinds of, and try different things just to see if i could you know how good i could make it and and, and, and uh come up with different things because i mean at that point except like that point in time of the year i wasn't as focused on where that would be or would be during the rut and all that stuff. So I had cameras available. Um, but yep, they're, uh, <clears throat> like I said, I use a wide variety and, and I have nicer cameras and I have cheaper cameras and I, I, you know, you put in, and that's another thing I've never, I, I didn't touch on here, but at least not, not, not right yet, but you know, I rank those cameras in my mind. It's like, all right, well, I know that I paid this much for this one and I know I paid this much for this one. So my ones that are cheaper, you know, I'm going to put in places that are, are riskier and then I'm going to take my high dollar ones and they're probably going to the private land or they're going to somewhere I feel safe or I'm going to put them up high. I'm going to lock them. I'm going to, you know, put it somewhere creative where it's not as obvious. And so uh, you got to do those things. And that's just a comfort level. I mean, I, running that many, I did have, I had five cameras stolen last year. Um, and I had separately from that, I had at least five SD cards stolen. Hmm. So, but you know, for the, for as many as I was running, you know, that's still you know five to ten percent. We'll say, uh, so it's not a not not a terrible rate. I, I really was unsure as to what it would be like, but uh, um, there's there definitely are some of those people out there.
1: Well, you know, you've you've really hit on a lot of a lot of the, the benefits of of using a trail camera. Um, a lot of reason people don't use them is for fear of it's just a waste of money, especially on public land. They're going to get stolen, blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't use them for other reasons. It, it, it doesn't have anything to do with that as much as it is. Um, it's just, it, it's not necessarily my hunting style. That's not to say that I won't ever do it. Um, and to be honest with you, I'd probably buy a hundred of them right now if I had the money to do it. I just, it's it's just not right now in, the, in my means, I guess, to do it. But sure. um, there's, hearing you talk, for somebody who is really wanting to learn how to get the most out of their trail cameras. Uh, I, I can't think of a whole lot of people that would be better to talk to than yourself and hearing, you know, how how much it, it goes into play for you throughout the season um, from right now until, I mean, the end of deer season. You know, it, it really does... Um, it really does set you up for success in a lot of ways, it sets you up for disappointment in some ways. And, yeah.
0: uh, yeah, no, there was a day that I slept in and guess what? Well, in, checked the camera I should have been there.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, I mean, there, there's, there are, there are those, those heartbreaks and then you're going, and then the people, you know, you, you know, you might there might be somebody on it. It might be stolen. You know, there's all sorts of, it might've malfunctioned. Oh my gosh. You know, the amount of, you might've left it on setup instead of on, man. You know the amount of times I've, I've done that you know or the batteries have gone dead and but you know like i said i don't want people to think that i have just you know th- this is this collection of cameras is is, is a group of friends uh in, in a lot of ways helping um this is me you know every time every time i, I you know i try not to think about it it's like hey 30 40 50 60r camera just buy one not think about it every time you you go to walmart just grab one don't think about it And and eventually it'll, you know, add up, but you know, I'm running cameras. It's funny. I was putting one together last night. The year on it was 2008. You know, when you first fired up, it it goes to the default year that the the, the software was put together. And I circled actually accidentally at the down button. Well, it only goes to 2030 and it's 2021. So (laughs) if I keep it, the cameras already made it from 08 to now. And if I make it to 30, i'm gonna run out of years
1: yeah you ain't gonna have any years left so
0: so no i mean so like i said this is this has been me you know i asked for these things for christmas i asked for every you know stocking stuffers birthday presents like like if this is what i enjoy so this is what i spend you know where i but you know where i'm could be going out or doing other things or or vacation this is this is just what i love to do
1: yeah so i
0: don't want people thinking that that i just went you know spent a hundred dollars on I bought three, you know, $300 cameras, and, which I had some nice, very expensive, nice cameras. You know, the Exodus cameras were, I'm going to spend the money on some of them, buy. Yeah. but I've got, I've got everything from Tascos to Wild Game Stealth Cam, Browning, Moultrie, you name it, I got
1: it. That's awesome, man. Well, I do appreciate you coming on and talking about, uh, tra- talking about a lot of this stuff, man. It's, a, uh, it's cool to hear you, to hear how, um, you know, how this stuff has helped you, how trail cameras have really went into play and helped you in a lot of ways and uh and if nothing else you know a whole lot about the deer in your area and and that's valuable information if somebody took away your all your trail cameras tomorrow you would leave with enough intel to be able to be a continue to be a good deer hunter and so the amount of the amount of intel that it gives you um without you you know while you're gone um while you're not there in the woods for me, if I sleep in, I don't know what happened. You know, I I'll, I'll never know what happened if I sleep in. Or, uh, it, you know, right now this time of year, I'm banking on the areas that have always panned out for me. I'm banking on those being good. I may get there next season, and they may not. <laughs> they may suck for whatever reason. Um, you just there's so many factors that come into play. But I do appreciate you, Reese, coming on and sharing a little bit of your yeah. tactics and strategies. Well, and I want. I, I, I know we got to get off. I'm going to make
0: two more quick points on that. Is one the thing, and this I didn't talk about this because it gets hit to death, but just like you said, you never know what's there. But when you know, one, you can always infer the weather, the data, why, when, what, what happened um, on that day. If you want to go back and look into that, that's up to you. And then the other thing um, is just like those traditional, like, like you were saying, you're never going to know. Well, let's say somebody did take away my cameras. Well, I know a heck of a lot of saddles, pinch points edges you know things that and, and i and honestly i anticipate that happening there's no way i can continue to do this for the next 10 20 30 years i cannot my kids are getting older i'm going to get take them hunting i you know work work my business is growing every day i'm not going to be able to continue this trend but hey if i am running no cameras i know right where i can go set and have a very good traditional spot and not be off the x and they'll be right where that is from here on out so you know even if you ran a camera for only a few years and then you ended up taking that away or you weren't able to do it in the future, you can be on the X instead of off of it five years from now. And those traditional spots are typically going to be all thanks the same. Very good.
1: Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's uh, that's some really good information. Tell people where they can, uh, where they can follow along on this trail cam Tuesday stuff and uh, any other platforms you might have.
0: So it's just Reese Johnson seven and that's R E E S E on Instagram and Twitter. And then my Facebook page is Reese Johnson land um, and that's for my for my work I'm a real estate broker licensed in Kentucky and Tennessee and I do a lot of uh, I sell a lot of hunting farms um, houses and commercial too but hunting farms what I enjoy obviously
1: so you uh, if, if you're listening and you're looking for a for a hunting farm look for a nice piece of property contact Reese he'll get you set up is that right
0: And uh, that' work that's right
1: Awesome, man I'm well happy yeah. to help. I appreciate it, man. You have a good one, and uh, I hope hope this season pans out better for you than last season did, and uh, and you get a couple of giants on the ground.
0: Well, fingers crossed. You'll if you if you if uh I figure everybody'll know.
1: Well, if uh, if you come down to Alabama, there's a bunch of spikes waiting for you. Bunch so. of spikes. Hey, I appreciate I appreciate the shout out last week.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, it is on my to do list. But I've just got to tag out early, which never happens. But one day when I tag out early alabama in january will be will be on my list It'll be on spike spike patrol <laughs> yeah they're brown brown it's down it's
1: happening. <laughs> thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the southern ground hunting podcast as always a big shout out to all of our partners spartan forge tethered new canoe and scree gear you can keep up with southern ground hunting by following us on facebook and instagram or subscribing to the youtube channel And be sure to check out southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.